matter, kid? Don't you like clowns? Why? Don't we make you laugh? Aren't we? Come play with us, Danny. Bad luck to kill a seabird. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Horror Flicks and Guitar Picks Podcast. I'm your host, Trashmouth, and today my guest is the one and only Gregory Thomas, guitar player for the band N and co-owner of Silver Bullet Studios. So I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and here's the interview. How's it going, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Going good. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, man. I'm stoked to do this. You're one of my first people with semi-horror-themed uh, studio. Do you mind telling me a little bit about that? You know, like what made you decide to start up Silver Bullet Studios and where the name came from? So, yeah, Absolutely, man. Yeah, we started Silver Bullet Studios back in 2004, so that's like 16 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started it, I actually started the studio with my dad, uh, who was a horror buff as well, both for like literature and film. Yeah. And- uh, he, got awesome. into, he got me into everything pretty early on, so we tried to find kind of a common ground for the theme of the studio, and, and the idea was to just have a recording studio that uh, didn't feel like the normal kind of sterile recording environment. We wanted a place that was fun, that would like, you know, fans could spend weeks at on end and not feel too bored or, you know, like they were cooped up in an office or something like that so kind of ran with it and we've been running with it you know with the name and then there's like you know tons of movies and books and masks and full-size figures and all that kind of stuff here and it's just kind of a fun place for bands to hang out at or at least we try to make it a fun place okay heck yeah i usually try to save the questions for after the uh like the horror questions for afterwards but do you have a favorite you know for after the band questions and stuff but do you have a favorite piece of memorabilia in the studio by chance Hmm. i think yeah i i guess and it's not even horror related uh, necessarily, but mm. I have a um, poster that's uh, for the 1989 Tim Burton Batman. That oh, is, hell yeah. Yeah, it's just that's a movie I just grew up with. And I know it's not horror, obviously, but I have a poster for that that is like signed by Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, which is pretty cool. It's like signed by the majority of the cast. And uh, so I think that that's like a favorite piece of mine i don't blame you at all i got a batman tattoo so i would love to have something like that myself so yeah i i just grew up with that movie i mean at the time that, that i saw that which is like 89 i was like seven years old that was uh, mm. pretty dark for my seven-year-old brain no definitely that's awesome if you don't mind telling me a little bit about how uh the band end came together i know it's kind of a little bit of a super group you know members from a lot of other bands and stuff like that so if you don't mind telling me what made y'all decide to come together and do some music absolutely End started i think the the first thing the first step at least towards my involvement in it was uh meeting will putney when we were doing uh when i was was playing in misery signals mm-hmm. um he did pre-production for our album absent light and uh so we went to his studio for a couple like a week and a half to do like demos and everything right before we started tracking that record and i met him and uh, him and i got along super well right away and we found that we had a lot of similar you know interests musically this is back in 2013 mm-hmm. and we found out that we had a lot of similar like oh you like this like you like his heroes gone and you like turmoil and cave in and you know we kind of just bonded over a lot of like um common uh you know bands that we loved and we talked to him, maybe one day we should do a band together that would be cool and then, like, years later, you know, probably uh, 2016 or something like that, you know, so three years later, Will hit me up and he's like, I got an idea for a singer for the band. And I was like, oh, yeah? Okay, yeah, cool. Let's just fucking do this band. And he was like, yeah, Brendan from Counterparts. And I was like, can he do vocals that are heavy like the band that we were talking about? And he's like, absolutely have faith on this. And I was like, all right. And then we... um you know, him and I went into writing songs. And as soon as I heard Brendan's voice, it was like the perfect fit for what we were trying to do. I was like, wow, he sounds intense. And then we we rounded it out with, you know, our, our first drummer, Andrew, from the band Structures and uh, mm. and uh, Jay Pepito from Reign Supreme on um, bass. And those were all guys that, that Will knew. I actually didn't know anybody in the band really until we showed up at the studio to start uh doing the first record so other than will um i had met andrew 
uh, Misery Signals and Structures had done some tour dates, but I, I didn't know him super well. But yeah, yeah. We met up at the studio. It's kind of like Will put together the, the team of people that he wanted to work with, more or less. And uh, I was uh, lucky enough to be on that team. I was very thankful for it. I, I, I love all the dudes in the band, and they're all super talented. So I'm, I'm grateful for it. Heck yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. End is awesome. I, I love the EP that y'all put out a few years ago. And uh, y'all are putting out your first, this is the first full-length album. Or is this another EP? Am I mistaken? No, or? Yeah, this, yeah, this is a fir- the first full-length. It's uh, 11 songs and you know we're really excited about it and thank you i'm glad that you liked the first ep and this kind of continues down the path that i think the uh, full length is a little more aggressive than the ep was and a big thing for that is we have a new drummer now we have the billy reimer from dillinger escape plan and he's a force on the drums so yeah <laughs> we kind of leaned into a lot of his stuff so there's a lot of like blasting and super intense drum parts on this and it kind of drove the whole band to be more aggressive so i'm excited for people to hear it and check it out no definitely not i assumed it was a full length because of uh i pre-ordered the vinyl and it was like a you know a normal size vinyl i figured if it was an ep it probably would have been like a seven inch or something so well, but actually, uh the uh the first ep we put out on uh 12 inch as well um oh that's yeah. awesome yeah we did just because it was a little too big to fit on a seven inch it was a little too long um yeah wise you know you're pretty limited with that but yeah this is this is proper this is proper falling okay awesome hell yeah so uh i checked out the video for pariah that's a little bit of a uh kind of like an original horror idea do you mind telling me like who kind of came up with that and you know how that came together uh really the idea behind that video was kind of a vision that will had and then we kind of spitballed me will and the director eric we kind of just like sat around and threw a bunch of ideas in the pot and kind of like talked about you know different imagery to flesh it out it is kind of an abstract horror idea and as soon as we start as soon as he pitched the idea we started working on the specifics of it I definitely mm. felt at home, you know, in, in, in my appreciation for horror. And uh, the director, Eric, he also grew up on a lot of horror stuff, too. So we referenced things like, you know, the camera moves through the woods, very reminiscent of Evil Dead. Yeah, um, there's a lot of specific things in there that um, call on like various horror movies like, you know, even the there's like a character in there. There's like, an older guy that plays like this kind of therapist character and uh you know one of the reasons that we chose him or one of the reasons i really liked him for the part is he kind of looks like gregory peck you know in the omen or something like that you know there's like a lot of like nods to different horror movies that i love that eric loves you know and uh will came up with this cool concept so we just kind of ran with like oh this would be cool like okay what if like the you know he's inside and then all of a sudden the inside's outside and then the trees are inside and we just kind of ran with this whole idea you know we took a couple inspirations from you know other music videos like uh there's a converge video that we referenced and a couple things like that but it's definitely our own thing and it's probably more steeped in traditional horror films than it is anything else now definitely in the quote uh not quote, but to comment on what you were saying about the, you know, the horror movie things throughout, I feel like that, uh, the golden mask that's in it kind of reminds me of, you know, not such a horror movie, but more of a thriller movie like Eyes Wide Shut, but then it also reminds me of a horror movie like, uh, Dario Argento's Demons. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Classic. It, yeah. It kind of reminds me of that mask a little bit. Absolutely. I definitely, um, so that mask in specific was used heavily in a music video for another project that I play in called Murmur, which is a dark, like, folk project uh-huh. and um with and that's like a side kind of a cool side thing that i just started working with like in the last year and a half but um murmur we have a music video called the river in which the main character it's a very occulty looking video and the main character is wearing that mask and will was kind of like oh can we use that mask and kind of like give a low-key nod to this murmur video he liked how that came out and that that's a another cinematic kind of slower paced but it's a lot of people walking through the forest going to do this like sacrifice by a river um yeah so the mask itself has been used in a couple videos i'm trying to make it like a little bit of a thread in a few things but the first thing i thought of when i saw the mask was actually eyes wide shut as well the kind of like occult like secret society you know um demonic like undertone to it so good catch on that oh yeah so uh I guess we can move on to the horror movies if that's cool with you. Absolutely. And uh, I'll definitely be checking out Murmur for sure because that sounds right up my alley. But uh, as far as uh, the horror movies go, do you have any memories growing up, you know, from either childhood or even you recently that have to revolve around horror movies? Yeah, uh, 
One of my first memories of being exposed to horror, and it's not pure horror, it's like horror action kind of, but uh, the movie Aliens. My dad showed that movie to me as soon as that came out on home video. So that is like <laughs> 1986 or 87, and I was like five years old. And my yeah. dad was super into this movie, and he's like, this movie is great. You got to watch it. It's awesome. And I remember him putting it on in the living room and then just kind of like going into the kitchen or whatever. And I was just like freaking out. I had to pause it. You know, there's a classic scene early on where the Marines are about the first encounter the aliens and i was like they're all gonna die they're all gonna die and i like paused it and i had to go over to my dad and i was like this is like scary and he's like you got to stick with it it's really good you know and i ended up loving that movie but it was it, it terrified me you know when i was younger and then i kind of had a flair for that that like adrenaline rush of that was something i was um you know into my whole youth pretty much and i think when my love for horror really really took flight was uh like my second job that i ever had was working at a hotel supposedly haunted hotel uh, oh, that's awesome <laughs> yeah yeah it was this like uh, it's this pretty big hotel uh in like rural connecticut um hmm. place called the yankee peddler inn that i worked at from like 2000 to like 2003 or something like that and i was the third shift manager there and uh so i was like the the you know the night clerk pretty much and i would be yeah. out from midnight to 10 a.m and they had a, a vhs player in the back room and there was a little like uh video rental store kind of close to the um hotel and on my way there uh, every night i would pick up like two movies they had like this thing where you could take two movies out at a time for like some monthly fee or whatever and i would yeah. go pick up two movies and i would ju i just went through the horror section and would just watch like two movies a night on this you know vhs player in the back room of this hotel um you know that supposedly was haunted you know there was a there was actually a movie made about the hotel in specific uh, called The Innkeepers. Oh, I started that movie, but I actually did, I fell asleep on it, to be honest. Not because it was bad. I just started uh, it late. It's but... a little slow. Um, the director, Ty West, uh, he did that movie House of the Devil, which I think is great. Dude, I love House of the Devil. So, yeah, that's why I watched Ten Keepers because of uh, how much I loved House of the Devil. Actually. Yeah, House of the Devil's awesome. And, and I guess, so House of the Devil was filmed in Connecticut. And when he was in Connecticut, I guess he heard stories about this hotel. Uh, okay. And then he decided to write a movie. And, and the movie's written about the hotel, but also is shot on location in the hotel. Um, and that was like right around the time that I had, unfortunately, that I had quit working yeah. to uh, tour full time and do the studio. So I just missed on the opportunity to you know kind of be adjacent to that movie but um yeah so i think that those two experiences you know being watching aliens at a super young age and then also having this like unique experience of being a uh, manager you know at this hotel that we'd close wings of during the winter it felt like the shining kind of you know and um just kind yeah. of you know, working there for a few years uh those are probably my two favorite horror memories growing up. Hell yeah. And uh, shoot back to what you said about aliens. You said it was horror adjacent. It's definitely horror adjacent when you're our age now. But uh, when you're five years old, that shit's just horror. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, the face huggers and like all yeah. that stuff like is, um, you know, it's a very, you know, it has the action elements, but it, it never has uh, action effects fights that you feel like are you know other than maybe the climactic end with ripley and the queen it, it, you never feel like the marines stand a chance they're always yeah. they're just getting slaughtered the whole time so it, it definitely has a like a ramped up slasher feel yeah what a callback to uh silver bullet studios do you have a favorite werewolf uh horror movie of all time or even just a, like a werewolf you know horror comedy of all time i would say i mean my picks are pretty bland for my favorite werewolf movies because I would probably say The Howling and An American Werewolf in London, probably my yeah. two favorites, which I think are probably everybody's two favorites. But, if it, you know, or not everybody's, but a lot of people's, you know, those are pretty standard choices. But I think that the, both those films are fantastic. If no, I had definitely. To, if I had to go for something a little weirder, I mean... There's werewolves in uh, What We Do in the Shadows, that movie, and I think that movie... Yes. I, I absolutely that's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life and uh you know I think that that movie's great and then recently I rewatched something completely different I rewatched a uh 
anime, which I, I don't really know too much about anime, to be honest, but I rewatched this movie, uh, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, which is like this kind of gothic-y horror anime, and there's a werewolf in that, and I love the design, even though it's animated, I love the design of the werewolf in that mm. film, because it's mouth, it's like snarly mouth comes out of its stomach it looks crazy it's like a it, it's a pretty cool concept so um that's something i revisited you know in this like self-isolation quarantine and i was like i haven't seen this thing in like 20 years or whatever and yeah. i was surprised at how cool the design of the werewolf was in that now i have to check that out uh vampire hunter d is something i always grew up because it's been around forever you know so i've always heard about it growing up but i've never tried to dive into it but now that i hear that it might be worth it yeah it's actually pretty fun the first there's two movies and the first movie is from the 80s it's like one of the first like anime films to be released mm -hmm. in the u.s and it's pretty slow it's definitely a flawed movie but the imagery is really cool like the the art and the design element is cool yeah then they did a sequel like 15 years later and the production value is like way higher and they kind of ramp up some of the like horror elements of it and uh i think that the sequel, which is called Bloodlust, I think that that's really cool. That that's definitely worth checking out, and I think that holds up pretty well. No, definitely. I'll uh, have to see if I can find either one streaming or even you know just you know cheaply to rent on Amazon Prime or something. But to uh, go back to what you were saying about what we do in the shadows, I love that movie as well. The uh, uh, we're not swearwolves, we're werewolves and shit like uh, that. Yeah, classic, classic. Did like I that movie when I first saw that movie, like I had saw seen that it got like reviewed pretty well, which you know doesn't mean especially for a horror fan doesn't mean too much because yeah. a lot of my favorite movies are reviewed terribly uh, but i saw that it was reviewed super well and i was like what on earth is this and when i first watched it i was just blown away by it and i think i watched it like five or six times in the first couple months after i saw it because i just had to show it to everybody you know yeah. i was like have you seen this i'll oh, come over we're watching this this thing's fucking hilarious have you uh checked out the series at all i have not i have not and i know the new season is like coming out in a couple weeks and i think i'm gonna just watch through it all into the new season coming out so yeah it's all uh, go ahead i was just saying i haven't yet but i i've heard great things the the guy chris that works at the studio with me he was like dude you're gonna love it i'm sure i will no it's awesome and if you have hulu uh the first season's up there that's how me and uh my wife actually watched that with me she doesn't watch a lot of horror movies but she'll watch like the more you know comedic stuff and she loved the movie and she loved the show as well but uh so I highly recommend it if you haven't checked it out yet. Nice. That's all. Is it only one season out with the second one coming out? Is that what it is? Yep. Awesome. That's all it is. Yeah. I will definitely be checking it out. And it's not many episodes, and they're only like 30, I think it's like 10, 30 minute episodes with commercials. So they ended up being actually like you know 26 minutes once they cut that stuff out or whatever. So it's not really that long to binge it. But uh, awesome. I was just gonna say, if you have you ever seen the werewolf movie Late Phases? I have not. No. That's one. Uh, that's actually probably my personal favorite. It's I wouldn't say it's the best made. Uh, if I had to go with best made, I'd probably say an american werewolf in london so like yeah. i definitely have to agree with what you said about that being you know like a lot of people's top favorite because it would be mine if uh it wasn't late phases is just a super unique pretty much it's about this old man his son puts him into a retirement home and in the first night a werewolf comes and kills his neighbor and his dog and uh <laughs> he can like hear it and he realizes what it is so he spends like the next month trying to figure out like where the werewolf was coming from and like preparing for it but there's like just a lot more going on to it but it's just super different and uh like the blind man realism like the the only part of the uh you know like i don't know if you've seen don't breathe but with for to me that yeah. felt like kind of fake sometimes with the blind man to where yeah. this felt feels super real it's, the only thing that feels fake to me is i'm like once you leave your home and travel down the road a little bit how do you know which one's your home again you know what i mean like i feel yeah like maybe yeah, they have a way to tell but that, but yeah yeah so that's the only thing that feels that's like the only thing unrealistic about the blindness i feel like but um that sounds awesome. So, I will check that. You you check out Vampire Hunter D, which I feel like is complete nerdy anime <laughs> semi bullshit. But you check that out, and, and I will check out that movie for sure. Deal, definitely. But uh, do you have a favorite horror movie of all time? You know, not Werewolfy. Yeah, I would say um, my favorite horror movie of all time is John Carpenter's The Thing. That's a huge movie for me. Um, another, oh, no, definitely. One saw, another one I saw pretty early on and uh, stayed with me forever. And I, I watched that, you know, I've seen that movie so many times. I keep going back to it. I'm always impressed at how well that holds up. That movie's in like a time capsule. That could have come out like yesterday, you know, yeah. and still looks fantastic. I think even looks better than the, the 2011 kind of prequel reboot that they did you know i think that the original oh, agreed the effects look 
amazing. So I, I would say I would say John Carpenter's The Thing, and then the the other horror movie that's like really close to that for me, which I also kind of consider a favorite, is The Shining. Just because I'm a big Kubrick fan, and and I think The Shining again has like multiple rewatch value to it because there's so much to unpack and there's so much visual like poetry going on in that movie. It's just uh, very mesmerizing. I think the only two movies that I, well, the only other movie that holds up as well as The Thing is The Exorcist. Like both of those movies, I feel like in 30 years will be just as scary as they were the you know when they came out. Oh or yeah, at least as... I mean The Exorcist. I know it's kind of uh, again another standard choice for a lot of people, but I. I say that The Exorcist is the scariest movie watching experience that I ever had. Uh, yeah. When I first watched that, I was home alone. Uh, this is a number of years ago, so I'm, I'm a lot younger. I'm probably like 18 years old or something like that. Mm. Um, and I was watching that home alone. And when I, when I was watching it, there was like this crazy dry lightning storm that happened like at my house so there's no rain but there was tons of lightning and tons of wind and a tree fell over in my uh, like front lawn pretty much while I was watching that movie and I, <laughs> it freaked me out so much because I'd never seen the movie I didn't know what was happening yeah like I was like what is going on the windstorm and everything it just sounded crazy and it, re- it really got to me it really scared the, the hell out of me I'll be honest I didn't become a horror fan because I was scared as a little kid I didn't become a horror fan until I was like you know early teens and then I watched a lot of more current stuff so i didn't start diving in you know back until uh you know my adult life so i hadn't seen the exorcist until uh probably like last year the year before it really it still hit you yeah so that's why i say it holds up because it, even though I, I can watch you know every single movie that's come out you know like the, a quiet place everybody says that movie is scary to, as shit and i thought it was kind of just like uh it, it was okay but uh the exorcist scared the shit out of me compared to that you know what i mean oh yeah i mean honestly you know there can be much debate about uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of debate between CGI and practical effects, but I know definitely uh, for, for me, practical effects always put me in a weirder mood and have a weirder atmosphere to them. So when you're dealing with a place, a thing like quiet place, which is, you know, it's a cool movie, but when you're seeing the, the kind of monster creatures, uh, anytime there's CGI like that, it just kind of takes me out of the um, picture a little, you know, even though I yeah. appreciate it and I think it's cool. I, I do think it's like a, a well done movie and there's movies that I love that have CGI in it, but compared to the exorcist, when you're like, you know, all the kind of um, just like the way that they filmed the end of that movie in like a giant fridge, like they, they built the set inside of a giant, basically like fridge so that you could see all their breath and everything. Yeah. Like kind of like putting in that kind of effort, just, it looks incredible it feels real. It feels tangible. And that adds to the atmosphere of it. And I think it makes movies like, you know, The Exorcist and The Thing. I think it helps films like that age so well because, you know, you can keep scanning um, those film reels in, you know, from, uh, you know, DVD to Blu-ray to 4K to 8K. And they will look amazing because those effects are done on the film themselves. They're not in post. They won't blow out and be pixelated. Yeah. So I think it helps those movies find new audiences. They still look fresh and relevant. Oh, no, definitely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. But uh, so shooting back to your favorite of the thing, do you have a favorite scene from that movie? You know, maybe that includes practical effects. Oh, geez. I mean, I'll never forget first watching that movie with the dog kennel scene. Uh, Because up until that point, you know, you don't know what's going on. And then yeah. when you first get a glimpse of the thing. I just remember thinking, like, as a, a kid, that that was so over the top. It <clears throat> scared me so much. And then later finding out that they like to make um, some of the effects stuff in that movie they used uh some actual animal organs and intestines and different things for different scenes and and part of it is that they used like uh for that dog kennel scene they used some like actual like cow tongues to make some of the flowers uh that bloom out of the dog and stuff like that and yeah that is just so over the top like aggressive (laughs) and dark uh that that i would say that that scene stays with me um i mean there's so many iconic scenes that there's yeah obviously the the head the whole head falling off and walking away scene the the petri dish scene um and then i i i I love the ending uh you know i don't want to get into necessarily spoilers for anybody that's like listening to this but the ending you know on on the movie um has changed for me over the years my interpretation of what happens at the end has changed over the years and uh I think that's really cool when there's a movie that, you know, on your 20th viewing, you can be like, oh, shit, I think this happened instead, which is uh, 
a pretty cool thing. I couldn't agree more. I watched it one time and then I, I watched it, you know, with one mindset, but then I came out of it with a completely different one. But I do want to uh, come back to that at the end of the interview, because what, like you said, I don't want to spoil it because it's such a good movie that if you have not seen it, you have to watch it. Definitely. But uh, at the end of the interview, when we're like, you know, what's going to be edited out, let's uh, I de- definitely try to remind me because I want to find out what you think about the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. I got, yeah, I can share uh, John Carpenter kind of revealed the end a couple of years ago in an interview, so we can talk about that later, which is cool. Okay, awesome. So actually, have you seen any newer horror movies that you liked? Yeah, I would say, um, so for me, I, I always think of horror movies in terms of uh, decades often. I organize them in my mind in terms of decades, and I really love 70s and 80s horror. But then yeah. I actually like 90s and 2000s horror there, there's movies I like, but there's a lot less. I think there's a dramatic downswing for horror during those decades. Um, I couldn't agree more. So, and uh, but I do think that the 2010s we have seen a rebirth in horror that is really exciting, and I and I think we're we're heading back to you know I think this is the best era currently for horror since the 80s and i think that it started you know i started noticing like there'd be a movie that come out you know one or two a year that i really thought were cool i i I think the first one being it follows back in like 2013 or whatever yeah came out and i was like oh this movie's pretty neat and then you had um the witch came out and then get out and, and like all these, you started to have these movies that were hitting theaters that were still what I view it as like higher caliber horror. And I was like um, pretty impressed because there's always there's always the like the kind of indie horror. There's always cool things like, um, you know, I, I saw that you mentioned like Bone Tomahawk is a s- super cool movie. There's always those yeah. kind of like lower budget films that are, are good for horror in all decades. But to actually see like the theatrical releases start to do stuff. And I think what Jordan Peele is doing is like really cool and bringing a fresh voice to horror. Um, I'm looking forward to his like Candyman uh, remake that yeah. he produced. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're actually heading back into kind of an exciting time, you know, with like Hereditary and uh, Midsummer and you know, all these things. I think we're we're heading back with a couple directors showing up that are really cool and really exciting. We've kind of missed, I think in the 90s and the in the 2000s, we kind of missed these directors, these like Artur directors handling horror but i think mm-hmm. you know with the hereditary director with jordan peele we're starting to see some of those people come back into the fold and, I, and i'm really excited about that no definitely that's what i say all the time is you know of course you can never compare somebody to wes craven or john carpenter but it's nice to see a new crop of horror directors that when you see that they're under the helm you kind of get excited about it just like you would a john carpenter or wes craven you know absolutely I, I think that's between um so the hereditary guy that's Ari Aster, right? And then, yep. So you have him and Jordan Peele, and then uh, I forget the name of the guy that did The Witch and uh, uh, Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers, yeah. The Witch and yep. The Lighthouse was, I thought The Lighthouse was awesome. So, same, I loved it. I, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, that was probably my favorite one of last year. Obviously, Lighthouse isn't really horror, but it's definitely dark and scary at points and unnerving. Um, yeah. And I, I think that those three directors are really exciting they're exciting to watch i know ari aster mentioned something about you know not necessarily wanting to do any more horror films but we'll see about that they i feel like everybody says that and then like oh wait actually this is really cool <laughs> and yeah doing more so i think those three directors are, are really exciting to follow and watch and i i can't think about three directors that i'm more excited to follow that are kind of coming out now that each pretty much have two movies you know Um, both of which I I like from each of them. So it's an exciting time for that. Now, there's a few, uh, like, directors that I look forward to other than them, but nobody that I look forward to as much as them. You know, like, I like Mike Flanagan's work. He did Dr. Sleep, Gerald's Game, Hush. Yeah, yeah, he did Haunting Hill House, too, which I I thought... I really like that. And that's actually, I'm, I'm a big um, uh, avid like reader. I, you know, I, I read a lot. I listen to a lot of audiobooks when I'm doing editing work at the studio and stuff. And uh, I love Shirley Jackson's Haunting a Hill House. That's one of my favorite books, one of my favorite scary books. And, and how he interpreted that show is like super cool. He completely deconstructed the novel and made it entirely his own thing. But I think he hit a lot of the pertinent themes and yeah, that guy's another good one to follow. I'm excited to see what he does in the future as well. Yeah, and then uh, like we talked about before, you know, Ty West was somebody I look forward to, but I don't think he's done anything super recent. But uh, he definitely did a few gems, you know, with the innkeepers 
Uh, what I saw of it was solid, and I've heard good things. And then I loved the House of the Devil, but he's just definitely not active anymore. But um, and then the guy that did Your Next, you know, he's done some decent ones. But uh, definitely those top three, I feel like are are you know not ours because you know we had Craven, we have uh, Carpenter, you know, so. But they're definitely like this generation's, you know, David Lynch, John Carpenter, and Wes Craven, as far as it seems, you know. Yeah, yeah, at least, yeah, they're at a, they're at an early point in their career, but everything has been solid from them. And I, I like one thing I like about those three is that their their voices, you know, their directorial voices are very different. Um, you know, they're very like like Jordan Peele's perspective on horror is uh, very fresh. I think, even though I didn't. I thought Us was cool. I didn't love it like I did Get Out, but I yeah. think it was cool. But I thought that the voice and the perspective on it was fascinating. Like, I loved it. I loved that element of it. And I think that all three of those directors have their own unique mood and uh, aesthetic and feel. So they're, they're very much so like our tours, they feel like. So I, I'm excited to see where they go. You know, being it's cool to be here at the launching point for their careers into this. And I'm excited to go on the journey and, and see where they take us. Yeah, and I'm ready to see if uh, Jordan Peele's produced movies fall the same fate as uh, James Wan's. Because James Wan had a few promising movies that he directed, but then everything he produced seemed to be kind of uh, lackluster i feel like at least in my yeah, opinion it's re- yeah and i i agree with that absolutely and i i think it's it's tough um you know there's so many different ways to produce there's certain people that produce movies where you know um their hand is so obvious in it you know like if you yeah. look at uh like poltergeist for example is produced by steven spielberg you know directed by toby hoover um that feels all the family dynamic in that movie feels like a spielberg movie even though he's yeah. producing it you know um, and so I think that has a lot of his influence imprinted on that final work. So, yeah, I'm curious to see, you know, but there's certainly producers that who knows who they are. You know, you don't they don't really have much of a direct hands on thing. I'm hoping yeah. that Jordan Peele does have a direct hands on or is like very stringent with his quality control and that he can start producing films to get, you know, I guess more quality work into the you know what's coming out no i'm right there with you and i guess we'll have two samples of that between antebellum coming out with janelle monet and then uh you know the Candyman remake yeah antebellum or... looks uh scary in a totally different way again again a fresh perspective a fresh voice on yeah the genre, which I, i'm looking forward to yeah i'm excited about that one myself uh i was super bummed to see that it got pushed back but yeah. you know what can you do but so uh you mentioned a few things you liked is there any recent ones that you've seen that you've been super disappointed in or just you know didn't really care for that's tough to i i so quickly kind of funnel those right out of my mind Um, yeah i can't say that i've seen nothing jumps out at me right away i mean i I guess i probably like am so picky with what i even get into i can say that i i read a book that i just finished last night called within these walls which is a horror book that came out um, a couple of years ago about like a death cult uh, supernatural thing. And I, I can say that I didn't love that book, mm. <laughs> so, but that's not obviously not um, horror flick related. Uh, yeah, nothing that jumps out off the top of my head. Now I feel you. Yeah, I'm uh, with you. I'm kind of nitpicky about what I watch. So I don't really watch a lot of stuff that I end up hating. You know, maybe I probably hated two movies that I've watched in the past, you know, two or three years. So kind of, you can tell a lot from a trailer and you can also, you know, like a trailer. If, if you're you know, obviously there's surprises and there can be bad trailers for great movies and great trailers for bad movies. No question. Yeah. But, but if you're kind of a seasoned movie watcher, you know, you can kind of see and be like, all right, there's going to be something of value here for me. You know, there's like a, a scale of the you know how engaged i am uh but mostly for me i don't really i don't often think like okay i hated this movie for whatever i'll just be like ah it's not totally for me and i and i mostly just covet the ones that i love and kind of forget and you know don't pay attention much to uh the ones that didn't quite hit me yeah no definitely i couldn't agree more but uh well i guess we'll jump into the like hypothetical you know horror questions if you could have one piece of gear and you know i'm talking you know pedal uh amp cabinet and ped guitar that was customized and it was you know horror related what uh piece of gear would you want and what kind of customization would you want all right uh well let's I- i'm gonna go i'm gonna go on kind of a uh, a little bit of a tangent on this but i can okay. tell you something that i tried to get that i didn't quite pull off um which isn't fully gear but it's something that i wanted to get for the studio and 
that was um, somebody was selling one of the walls from the original Evil Dead cabin on, oh, damn. on an auction a couple of years ago. And I tried to get that, but I couldn't figure out the logistics of how to get this wall intact to from, uh, I forget where it was. I forget where they shot it in like Virginia or, or Pennsylvania, something like that. I forget uh, Tennessee. It. Was it Tennessee? Okay. So yeah. I forget, I forget exactly, but it was wherever that was. And they were selling a wall of this and it was through some auction thing. And, and again, I couldn't figure out the logistics of like renting a truck that I would need that would fit that wall. But I wanted to get that in the studio and i was going to put it in my live room yeah you know would have been the absolute coolest thing ever i know that's not a piece of gear but uh that you know that would have been the coolest thing to have ever i came very close to owning part of the evil dead cabin the original cabin um, that's definitely a holy grail for sure <laughs> oh yeah absolutely because that's one of my favorite evil especially evil dead 2 it's one of my all-time favorite movies so yeah and i believe they went to the same cabin for both of them if i'm not mistaken yeah yep Yep. So I would have been very, very thrilled at that. As far as having like a dream piece of gear, are you saying customized in some kind of horror fashion or something like that? Well, um, here, I'll give you my two examples that I've given out previously because they're they're completely different. One was I had a I've always wanted an ESP TE 401. So Mm -hmm. it'd be be nice to have that in the complete uh, design of the shining carpet. You know what I mean? Like from head to toe, just but I also had the idea of having a pedal that made all the sounds of a John Carpenter score and had a loop pedal in it as well. You know, like one big multi, uh, multi-effects pedal. So that was kind of another idea. So just kind of something, you know, like a, a broad range, but something along those lines. Well, I, a, a broad broad range, I mean, what I would love uh, is, I, I've always had the idea to try to get pieces of gear in the studio that looked like Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory. You know, I, I would love yeah. some kind of, you know, the really eccentric over the top, like tubes, you know, for something like kind of like expose the tubes. And we have like a couple of our amp heads we've taken off the, the front plate to, so that it, you see the tubes, the inner workings. And that just appeals to the inner like, oh, it's like Frankenstein's lab in here. I like the idea of that kind of, uh, you know, we're building the monster that is the record that we're working on. Um, yeah. But I think any kind of vintagey thing like that. And then something that I, again, would like to do in the next like year or two is I really want to build a stasis chamber for a face hugger and make it look like the aliens, uh, you know, the kind of like tube that it's in, in liquid. Yeah. I would love to build one of those in the studio and it wouldn't serve any audio function at all, but put it in the studio rack with the liquid and everything. So when you come, cause we have all this outboard gear in the studio and I would love to have a slot for this like life-size face hugger replica to just be in the like rack and, 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 you know, to tell people like, Oh yeah, it's like part of the mix. Whatever. You know, just kind of joke <laughs> with people and like have like the younger bands be like, really? I'm like, no, nah, obviously not, but yeah, kind of have a, a fake piece of gear. I guess. No, that'd be uh, awesome. I actually just ordered myself uh, the Phantasm Blu-ray set that comes with a sphere. Yeah. And uh, so, like, I'm right there with you. With the, the replicas are probably the most awesome thing of like of a horror collection. I feel like. Uh, oh, any- absolutely. I just rewatched Phantasm uh, last week. Man, that is one of my favorite movies. And the remaster of that, the J.J. Abrams remaster of that, looks, yeah. I mean, it looks awesome. No, I uh, actually already have the original on Blu-ray, but it's so hard to find the second one and the third one for cheap that when that released, I was like, I got to have that sphere. So I'll just have an extra copy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, actually, I haven't, to be honest with you, as much as Phantasm is probably my top 10 favorite horror movies of all time, but I've actually never seen Phantasm 2 because all the distribution issues with that. Like, that wasn't on yeah. home video for forever, and I was just telling my girlfriend about that, too, because we watched it together, I'm like, I hear the second one's great. I hear it's, like, a super fun, like, more action-oriented uh, film. But I was like, I've never seen it, because, like, there was so many rights issues with that. It wasn't on... I don't think it ever came out on DVD, to my knowledge. And it, it might have come... I think it came out on, like, Blu-ray, but, like, it skips yeah. a couple generations of stuff, because they had problems with the rights or something. And so I actually don't know about this box set that you're talking about right now. Is this is this all the like I guess five Phantasm movies in like a Blu-ray box set? Is that something that's coming out? Yeah, it actually released uh, last year, like right around uh, Christmas time. And it was what it is is it's all five of them on Blu-ray, and it comes in a in the sphere, like it's a box, but inside the box is a replica of the sphere from the movie. And uh, when you when you open up the sphere, all the discs are in in there. But uh, yeah, the well, second I'm movie. 
I'm looking that up as soon as we get off the phone. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a Best Buy exclusive, I believe. But if you look it up, there they have some right now, and you know, shipping and stuff. But uh, it's super awesome. And I was right there with you. I looked up Phantasm two to watch because I have Shutter, and they have one, three, four, and Ravager, which I believe it's four than Ravager. But yeah, so they, I, you know, I wanted to watch them all, but I had the same problem. I think I ended up paying to rent the movie because it was way cheaper than spending like thirty dollars on the Blu-ray. Because like you said, it's the only thing they've ever made pretty much is the Blu-ray, so it's kind of hard to find. So yeah, it's, it's yeah, not, not cheap. But dude, I went through the same thing. I, I after watching it, I was like, okay, they had to have released this thing by now, and I was yeah. blown away to see that the price of the Blu-ray was so high because it was like such a even a limited quantity of the final release of it, you know. So uh, knowing about that box set is definitely cool. No, yeah, and it's worth it. It's only uh, like a hundred bucks, and it comes with the replica sphere and all five movies. So I mean, that's cheaper than probably you know sawing them all out or whatever. Oh yeah, that would be awesome to have in the Silver Bullet film library we have here. So very cool. Hell yeah. So uh, my other hypothetical question would be if you could shoot y'all did your original idea with Pariah, but if you could shoot like a music video that was a short horror remake, what movie would you want to remake? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, geez, that would that, that's a that's a kind of a tough one. I I know I, I was joking. Th- so this is again kind of a tangent answer. I'm sorry, I'm so bad with keep, keeping on the the direct question. I know, I know you're that, fine. I, I know that I wanted to do a studio update um, in the next couple weeks. We'll see if we have time to do it. But I wanted to do a studio update where we reshoot i do a funny version with me and my roommates and my cat who's called wolfman uh uh-huh. where, where we do the petri dish scene from the thing and we joke like okay quarantine update it's been x amount of weeks and like i have my roommates are on chairs and i've got like a little torch and i'm like testing the petri i wanted to actually shoot that for fun to like let people know that we were you know still here and yeah uh, you know still mixing records and stuff like that so that's something I would love to have, you know, have a fun time with. But if I was doing a music video, I mean, I, ma- I imagine a pretty fun one to do would be something like Night of the Living Dead. I, I think it's yeah. kind of a fun bit to have, uh, you know, the band playing in like a farmhouse with these people trying to break in and get us and stuff like that could be a could be a fun time. And could be done on very little budget. So it's a, an achievable video. No, definitely. Yeah, that's an awesome uh, idea, and it's one of you know it's pretty much the OG of zombie movies, as far as I know. Oh yeah, I mean there was there was a lot of there was a lot of zombie movies prior, but people were people viewed zombies as somebody that was under mind control or yeah or something like that Ramiro kind of brought in the like idea of like oh they're dead and they're like reanimated you know uh dead humans and um you know so that was a game full game changer absolute full game changer so yeah one of my favorites again another one I grew up with that and the sequel uh Dawn of the Dead two probably two of my top tens so no definitely yeah that when people talk about movies that change horror if they don't put that on their list then they don't know what they're talking about because that's like you said that was the first one that zombies were the living dead they weren't just mind-controlled voodoo puppets pretty much yeah and one of the things you know when i was growing up getting into like punk and metal uh to me and i know this sounds kind of funny but to me horror was the punk was the hardcore punk of the film industry it was yeah yeah it was the diy low budget just gonna get out there and make it you know i thought guys like john carpenter and stuff in west craven you know as we mentioned and george ramiro were very punk in spirit and um you know and one of my favorite things also in that is like the kind of like counterculture undertones especially of a lot of the 70s and 80s horror movies yeah Uh, and night of living dead even though that's late 60s that fully embodies it you know with the uh kind of how it explores like the even the race relation between having like the main protagonist be black which was like very revolutionary at the time that they had made that movie like people were like you know there was a lot of like controversial for the time but you know now we look back on we just watch the movie we don't even think about the social context of doing a movie where the strongest and most resilient character during the civil rights movement was a black man in this movie, which is, I think, super cool. And, and, um, you know, so I love that movie. And then, you know, Dawn of the Dead has the critique on consumerism and obviously with the everybody trapped in the mall. Uh, So I love that kind of like, kind of punk, kind of like anti-establishment, you know, uh, undertones that are in movies like that or that are in John Carpenter's They Live, which again is like 
consumerism, you know, critique on that and stuff like that. And I, I have fun with that element of horror too, that kind of punk attitude that's in the early uh, 70s, uh, you know, late 60s through the mid 80s horror films. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And like uh, one of the things, the comments on it, you know, with even today is, and I talked about this a little bit with Tom, I believe, from the Kasia strain, is the fact that like punk and hardcore, or even, you know, just metalcore, whatever, you know, I like, I just pretty much like to call music, you know, hardcore, heavy hardcore, softer hardcore. So yeah, yeah, I, it's all I hate all those genres, music, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's all, it's all based off of one stem. It's just, it goes out into a different branch. So pretty much what I'm saying is, is, you know, how that music never wins Grammys, even though there's so many albums that deserve it. Horror movies typically don't win Oscars. You know, of course, Silence of the Lambs won five Oscars and gets talked about all the time. But what was the last horror movie to win one? I mean, even Get Out was uh, put up as a comedy. It wasn't even put up as a horror. So it's definitely, they're both disrespected in the same way. And they both have the same... Uh, like I feel you on the DIY attitude for sure. Yeah, it just has yeah, it has this DIY spirit and and horror itself is such an extreme experience that it kind of like challenges, you know, quote unquote the establishment or the normal way of life because it itself is so visceral and extreme in the same way that I view metal, you know, I think that I think you know, what they were trying to do in a lot of those movies is the same thing that they're trying to do in like the early like thrash metal bands and stuff like that. They were just trying to be extreme and visceral and in your face in the same way that the horror films of the era were as well no definitely so uh my final question pretty much for you is do you have any horror stories of your own you know from either the road or with you having a studio you know it could be a band that came through that was just you know awful or anything like that <laughs> uh let me think about this i mean i would say you know a lot of the scarier stuff that i have ever experienced in my life um, weren't necessarily music related, but you know, I, I had um, a very interesting time working that, at that hotel. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to tell a story from the the hotel? Does that fit the question, or do you want me to stick it, uh, keep it to a, a music oriented? Well, the question could be something real, like uh, that's not even like true horror related. However, because you're one of my few guests that's probably worked at some place that's you know deemed haunted, I would actually like for you to tell that story if you don't mind. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So. So I, you know, I worked at that place for uh, three years and was the night shift manager. So that meant that I was by myself at night for about eight to 10 hours uh, every evening. And, uh, you know, there was time periods, you know, for, for, I'll start off by saying that I am a skeptic towards any kind of paranormal thing. I'm not a guy that believes in ghosts necessarily, but I, I also am not going to say that they don't exist. I just yeah. don't know, but I'm not like, a, ooh, have you seen this, you know, picture of this orb or something? That's just not my vibe personally. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably the same exact way, to be honest with you. Yeah, so it's fascinating, but I can't vouch for any credibility in it. When I uh, worked at this hotel, uh, there, you know, I was only there for a few years, but our entire staff, had changed over where I was the third most senior member uh, other than the owner and the general manager. And everybody else had quit working there because they saw things, you know, they, yeah. the housekeepers saw like a child running through the, the halls, all this stuff. And it freaked everybody out and they would keep quitting. But for me, I never saw anything directly, but I did have one night that really, you know, was where I was like, okay, maybe something's there. And it was this night where, yeah. um, you know, where I was working, I, I remember, uh, you know, I, I'm by myself. It's like middle of the winter, which means that we close off most of the hotel at that point and, you know, close off different wings and we don't heat them anymore. And they just kind of seal them up and stuff. And, and I remember this night, there was only like mm. a couple people in the hotel and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working there. I remember at... Um, it was like 3.30 a.m. or something in the morning. And I heard this like music playing super loud. Uh, all the rooms were upstairs. The lower level uh, where the front desk was and everything was just like little shops and things like that. And I heard it like this music. Yeah, you said it was the same one they used in the movie, right? Yeah, same one that they used in the movie. Yep. Um, and okay, they, so I can kind of picture the front desk a little bit. Yeah, it's that exact front desk and everything. So I'm sitting there at that front desk and I hear this like loud sound coming from one of the rooms upstairs. It sounds like some kind of music. Somebody's like watching the TV super loud. And I, I and I'm like, oh, damn, like this sucks. Like I have to go up and tell whoever it is to turn down their TV, you know, which is an awkward thing, you know, to knock, knock, knock. Excuse me. Can you turn down your TV? It's just an awkward exchange, which I've had, yeah. to, you know, 
from time to time. So I go up to see what room it is. I'll never forget this. It was it's room two thirty two. I go over. It's like so loud. It sounded like somebody was just like blasting the TV. So I yeah. go over and I and I see that it's room two thirty two. And I go downstairs to see um, to the guest registry to see who's checked into that room because I wanted to be like, okay, uh, Mr. Smith, can you please turn down your TV? And I, yeah. I look at the guest registry. And I saw that nobody was registered into room 232 and nobody was registered even even next to them. So I, yeah. was, like, I was like, oh, OK, all right, well, maybe somebody checked in and somebody forgot to put them in the computer. Yeah, that happens sometimes. So I was like, OK, well, I'm going to have to go up and, uh, you know, knock on the door and be like, uh, excuse me, can you turn down your TV? But also who are you, you know, which is like, even yeah. here, and I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like not looking forward to this whole exchange. You know, I, I, I took a key to room two because there was duplicate keys. So I took a key to room 232 in case, you know, people weren't responsive or anything. So I just kind of went up and I knocked on the door and I uh, opened the door up and it was a long rectangular room and all the lights were out in the room, but the TV in the far corner was on as an old TV, an old box tube TV was on and turned up all the way. And there was nobody in the room, no lights on in the room. And as Fuck soon that, as, I quit. <laughs> dude, as soon as I opened the door and saw that, that was actually the most scared I've ever been in my life. And you know, I've been in burning vehicles and everything, but that, that yeah. was the most scared I ever was. I just felt this chill, like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I'm not supposed to go into this. And, and in my mind, I was like, fuck this. I quit. Like, I don't even care. I let the door close. I was like, I don't even care. You know, I, this job's not worth it. Like, that is so, you know. But then I, I kind of get, I rallied my courage. And I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to go in. I'm going to turn off this TV, whatever. And so I opened the door again. And the doors are held open at that place by these, like, magnetic uh, kind of, door stop things so people could load in their you know luggage or whatever so i open the yeah. door the whole room is black except for this tv and this tv's playing some kind of war movie it was like a black and white old war movie and the volume was up so loud that the speakers were breaking like they were like popping you could hear it yeah and and i just i went over into i felt this like terrible chill i went over into the room and i turned the tv off and the way that those TVs were, those are old TVs because um, it's a very vintagey hotel. Uh, those were the type of TVs that you'd have to pull out a knob to turn it on and off. And that would also be the volume control, that knob that you'd pull out. Mm -hmm. It's a very old style TV. Um, and somebody, you know, it had popped out and turned all the way up. So it's just a weird thing, which is not like a glitch, not yeah. like a smart TV that, oops, I turned down on my phone or something. You know, there's a physical app that turns on these TVs. So yeah, something has to turn that knob, so... So I turned off that TV and oh, first of all, I, I failed to mention too that the lights didn't work in the room. I tried the light switch first before walking in and the light yeah. didn't work, which they were lamps in the room. So somebody could have turned off the lamp by the actual switch, in which case the, the switch on the wall didn't do anything. But I, that yeah. like, me out further. And I just went in, I turned off the TV. As soon as I turned off the TV, I was staring at the TV when I turned it off. So as soon as I turned it off, I, I you know, if you uh, look at something bright and then you turn off into a black room you kind of like faintly see the light that you were looking at i kind of was like mm. temporarily like kind of blind for a second almost like i turned it off and i couldn't really see it was so dark in the room without that tv on and the magnetic door stop gave way and the door started to close and i'm on Ooh. the opposite end of the room and man i was so scared i felt like i felt like i had to run out of that room like if i didn't make it to the door like something was gonna like keep me there it's a totally unreasonable fear, but given the circumstance and the setup, I was terrified and I ran yeah. and, I, and I just got my hand in the door as it closed. My hand blocked it from closing all the way to this pitch black room with whatever turned on the TV. And I, mm. and I just got out of there and I was like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? Like that whole experience was only a few minutes, but I'll remember that for the rest of my life. You know, I can't say if it was like a power glitch or, it, you know, we used to have people that would break into rooms that would climb the um, fire escape and break into rooms during like the winter. Like, like we'd, we'd have like homeless people that would try to break into rooms. So there could yeah. be somebody in the room that I couldn't see that just watched me do all this, which is creepy in its own right. Yeah, um, definitely. That's scary shit. <laughs> So like, you know, I'll remember that till the till the, you know, for the rest of my life. So uh, that was just a one of 
a few, you know, terrifying stories that I had an area. And, and I don't know if that fully fits what you're asking, but that's a, that's a real life horror experience that I had that is, uh, you know, if anybody asks like, you know, do you remember when you were the most scared that <laughs> thinking that I was not going to make it unreasonably thinking that I was not going to make it out of that room when I had those like a couple seconds to try to get to that door was my, my senses were very heightened at that point. Adrenaline was definitely. Uh, <laughs> no, that's uh that was perfect, man. I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Of course. So other than uh, murmur and in, do you have any other, musical projects that you want to you know promote for anybody i i uh you know just stuff that we got going on in the studio i um you know working on a record for this band yashira very cool like metal post metal band um that we recorded just before everybody kind of went into quarantine i'm really excited for that record to come out uh i just finished work on a um well i don't know if this is announced yet but i I suppose it will be soon but i finished working on uh, a misery signals album uh even though i don't play in that band anymore i helped produce and mixed the new record and i'm really excited about that you know Um, yeah so you know those two records coming out and then you know we're working on a new murmur record right now and very happy to have the end record coming out so i think that those are the big things that are on um my plate right now that i'm very excited about looking forward to as well as you know there's just a lot of cool stuff going on in the studio even though we're having nobody come in right now because everybody's at home but we're working on a lot of mixes and Mm. finishing up a lot of uh, long running records and uh hoping to launch a couple new musical projects um this year i have like another kind of aggressive metal project i've been working on and i have a uh kind of a more digital weird rock project that's uh, uh similar to a john carpenter kind of vibe that i've been working on as well so oh hell yeah yeah it's a totally different thing for me um that i I look forward to it's actually uh called lunar abandon um is the name of it and i put out one song i I never really promoted it so this is probably the first time i'm talking about any kind of i just put it out and shared it to friends but there's a song Mm. that's on like spotify and stuff that i put out a couple years ago uh, under that project name and it's a it was a collaboration between me and uh, tanner from the band oh brother and uh it's got very john carpenter digital synthy vibe you know to it and i would like to trying to work on doing more material for that too so you know if i'm if we're all cooped up for months and months you know might see a lot hmm. of new music from me over here so no, yeah definitely so uh um i don't know if you're booking right now with uh you know, of course, with everything going on, but do you want to let people know where they can hit you up if they want to, you know, check on rates or anything to come record with you? Sure, absolutely. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, we have um, silverbulletstudios.com uh, is probably the best thing to check out. You know, that has like our gear list and list out all the, uh, a lot of the records we've done. We need to update it. It's been a, uh, just a couple months since we updated it, but you know, we've got a lot of the records that we've done there and uh, it has our contact on there. And we have a couple of pictures of some of the masks and stuff there too, like it. I feel like if you're a fan of uh, horror and you're also a musician that plays indie rock or metal or hardcore punk, you probably have a lot of fun here and we'd probably have a lot of fun Mm. working together on stuff. So, you know, silverboltstudios.com is probably the easiest way to, to see what we've got going and to reach out to us. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This was a great call and uh, I love the idea of this podcast. I think it's a, really cool thing and i don't know any podcast that's quite like this so you know thanks for having me on and i I wish you the best with this i look forward to listening to the episodes and following it myself no man i appreciate that and i had a blast myself so i just want to say thanks again for listening and make sure you check back next week for my interview with with the one and only sean hines of ingested and if you're a fan of john carpenter's the thing just continue to listen here at the end as we talk about the final moments of the film and we didn't want to talk about it on the podcast and spoil it so i just kind of copied and pasted it so it's going to end sort of abruptly but uh just know that that will be at the tail end. So thank you guys again. Make sure you look us up on Facebook and Instagram and go follow Loudmouth Threads who made this awesome podcast artwork. Stay safe. Do you want to talk about that John Carpenter thing? Uh, the end of the thing for a second? Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, man, that is something that I, that I have been like, you know, obviously for years you watch it and it ends up with McCready and the character Child at the yeah. end. Sitting out and they're having a drink and everything outside and you really don't know if Childs is the thing or if he's human and it leaves it very ambiguous, you know? And, and yeah. uh, when I was younger, I thought Childs was human, you know, probably because I was like 
a little, maybe a little more optimistic when I was younger and wanted to view it that way, even though it's a dark ending no matter what, because they're they're going to freeze to death no matter what. But yeah, there's only the, them two. Yeah, but in a recent interview with John Carpenter, somebody asked him, uh, point blank, hey, at the end of the thing, is Childs the thing or is he human? And John Carpenter's response was that he filmed that scene very specifically to, he did the whole scene with Kurt Russell, uh, McCready, you know, his character McCready, uh, where you could see his breath. He did it in like a refrigerated set where you could yep. see his breath. And then he heated the set up so that the character Child, when he's talking, you don't see his breath. Yeah. He said, he said and the- he did that very specifically. And he's like, I'm surprised nobody noticed that. Uh, you know, not many people noticed that all these years. So that was basically him saying that Childs is the thing at the end. And, and that Childs and McCready just sit there waiting to be frozen so that somebody comes along and takes the bodies and then it can kind of respawn and continue from there. Yeah. Which is a really terrifying idea. And what adds to it, too, is if you notice at the end of that movie, because that's actually what my theory was, was that Childs was... Uh the thing but it's also because of at the end of that movie if you look when um mccurry grows the drink he doesn't drink it he just hands it straight to childs so it kind of makes you think oh that might have been kerosene because remember they were filling those bottles full of kerosene to make the molotov cocktails so huh. when he opens it he smells it and he doesn't drink it he just hands it to childs so i felt like it was like a two first thing because i saw the breath i kind of noticed the breath thing too but um and then yeah. of course once childs drinks it he mccurry starts laughing and then the movie goes off. Yeah, I mean, that's super cool, man. I, I love that. I love the ending of that movie. I think it's awesome. 